We're so glad that you're here with us this morning, everybody, and again online. Go ahead and be seated. What a great, great Sunday. Come on, somebody. Good to be alive in San Diego. Amen? Hot, hot, hot right now with where we're dealing with and wherever you guys are watching from. We are just really, really thrilled that you're here with us in COVID season. But how many know Jesus is Lord? He's getting us through this time. Come on, everybody. He's getting us through this time. We believe that, and he's going to be with us. The Bible says he's with us in the valleys. He's with us on the mountaintops. Amen? It might seem like a valley, but we're all going to get through this. Things are going to change. Things are, I don't know if they're going to get back to normal, whatever people say normal is. But uh, we're going to get through this situation and come out the other side. And Jesus is going to help us along the way, right? Come on, right, everybody? So come on, we're not going to get discouraged. We're not going to be discouraged. We're going to draw near with a true heart of assurance, as the scripture says. Hey, this morning, as we always encourage you, uh, before we really jump into the word, uh, those that are with us in the physical location, those that are online, uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to what we call so financially into the kingdom of God. I want to encourage you that uh, just like what it takes uh, resources to live uh, uh, naturally on the earth, it takes resources for God to do what God wants us to do spiritually in spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, not only here locally, not only in our state, but also around the world. Through your generosity and through your continued generosity, uh, lives are being changed, not only here locally, but also missions are, are going on all around the world, and you have a great harvest of blessing accumulating to your account through your giving. Can I hear an amen up in the room? Last week, we talked about a couple things just concerning generosity. I want to bring to your attention. I think we have that. Do we have that back there, guys? We ready with that? Generosity? We got, the, we got some of those stuff? Somebody give me a nod. We back there? Somebody give me a nod. We're ready to go. Okay. Uh, last week, we talked about um, uh, just some thoughts I'm going to be bringing to you in the next couple of weeks concerning generosity and concerning this time about how we need to think. Last week we said this, is that you need to make generosity a priority. That's what we said. Make generosity a priority. We, we, we kind of just talked about that for a second in our lives because if we don't make generosity a priority, it won't be a priority in our life. So we said that concerning that, we need to give first, we need to save second, and we need to spend third. So when it comes to generosity, if we have, it needs to be the top of the food chain, if you will. It needs to be the top of our list that I make myself. I'm going I'm to look at my life, and I'm going to position my life to be a generous person. So I'm going to always put giving at the top. The top of my pyramid is going to be giving. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to give offerings. Then I'm going to save. I'm going to pay myself. I'm going to save some money. Uh, somebody said save it for a rainy day. You know, there were some real religious people when I was growing up and say, you don't save no money for a rainy day. You're thinking about having a rainy day. But that's kind of stupid because the refrigerator is going to break. The car is going to break. And so you need to save money and you need to pay yourself, if you will. So you, you, you need to give first. You need to save second. And then the priority is you need to spend third. So that, that is the priority. The second thing I want to just talk about today is kind of drill down just for a few seconds is that make a plan to be generous. Make a plan to be generous. So what, what do you, when, when it comes to generosity, uh, everybody, if you want to go on vacation, you come up with a plan. Where are you going to go? How much is it going to take? Do I need to buy airfare tickets? How long the trip's going to be? i got to take off work. The kids got to do this. Uh, and we make a plan. So when it comes to living a generous life, you and I need to make a plan to be generous. In other words, include this in your budget. Don't budget out generosity. Don't let it be at the very back end. Let it be at the front end. Make a plan to be 
generous. And if you make a plan to be generous, can I say this? God will help you in your plan. Because God is a generous God. And he is the one who consistently gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness, the scripture says. So if you'll partner with him in generosity, he will partner with you. So make a plan to be generous. Like somebody said, you can be real generous at the mall and real cheap in church. Come on. Somebody said this, don't have Mercedes living and skateboard giving. So come on now, when it comes to the things of God, we've got to make a plan, and we've got to, we, we, we've got, we've got to budget that, put that in the, the spiritual equation that God has for us. Whether you're single, whether you're just starting, whether you're working a part-time job, make a plan to be generous. I love this scripture, we're going to have it on the screen for you, it's in Isaiah chapter 32, verse 8, look what this scripture says. But a generous man devises generous things, and by generosity he shall stand. What a phenomenal scripture. A generous man, a generous woman will devise or will plan generous things. Plan about generous things. Think about generous things. We'll order your life around generosity. I'm going to plan to be generous to the people around me. We plan to be generous to the kingdom of God. And by generosity, he'll stand. By your generosity, God says, I will, I will make you stand. Regardless of what's going on in the economy, regardless of what it looks like up until now, if you will begin making a plan, making it a priority, and then acting on that plan to be generous, God says, I will get involved with your plan, and I will help you stand. Can somebody in the room say amen? Amen, amen. We believe the word of God. Thank you for what you have done, everybody in the room and everybody online. Uh, what we've been encouraging everybody to do, of course, since COVID, can't come to the physical location. Uh, you can give if you want to do that in the physical location. Back in the back, we have offering envelopes and a basket back there. I encourage you to take advantage of that if you'd like to. But otherwise, the easiest way to give is online. Or you can text to give. That information is online, uh, available to you right now. And then also for you that are viewing uh, at the end of the broadcast, you can give that way too. Come on, let's pray concerning our generosity. Can we do that? Come on, Father God, we love you. As we bring our tithes and offerings to you, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your generosity in our lives. We worship you today that as we plan to be generous and budget to be generous and make it a priority, Lord God, that you're working with us right now in this particular season of our life, and we're going to see your glory in Jesus' name. Can everybody in the room say amen and amen? Come on, how many excited about the word of God? Come on. It Come on, let them hear you online. Come on, how many of y'all excited about the Word of God? You at home, clap your hands. Hopefully, you're clapping. I, I, I am so excited about the Word of God that, you know, none of this stuff we're dealing with caught God off guard. And so we, we might feel some, you know, the pressure and some squeeze, but the Word of God is still settled in heaven. It is still working. Come on, His kingdom still comes. His will is still being done on earth as it is in heaven. And it can be that way in your life. And so last week, we started a series of lessons called Principled Living principled living. We kind of set the, 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 the table, if you will, where we're going to be going for the next several weeks. So I want to give you the key scripture we looked at as we kind of laid out the foundation uh, text for where we're going to be going for the next three weeks, and then we'll go some weeks after that. Look with me one more time to the book of Ezekiel chapter 14, start reading in verse 12. The word of the Lord, it says in Ezekiel, came to, again to me. So it came again to me. So, so Ezekiel said, God already had been speaking to me before, but the word of the Lord. Ezekiel is an Old Testament prophet, and a prophet speaks as a mouthpiece of God. So he says, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, 
When a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness, that was a key we looked at last week, by persistent unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it, I will cut off its supply of bread, I'll send famine on it, I'll cut off man and beast from it. We talked about this at length last week, and so if you're here with us, I'm so glad you're here with us, and if you're viewing online, really glad you're doing that, but I want to encourage you, keep listening today, everybody here and everybody online, but go back to last week's message, because it will set this up in a deeper way that we haven't got time to go back and review that. So God just simply says, by, un, uh, by consistent unfaithfulness, by persistent unfaithfulness that you all have been doing, y'all keep leaving me. This is what the prophet's saying. Y'all keep serving false gods. Y'all keep going your own way. Your heart's divided. You want me, but you don't want me. You're, you're, you're living an adulterous life, he says, spiritually. And so he says, some things are going to happen in the land. The, the land not meaning the grass and the trees and the ponds and the lakes. The land's meaning the people. And so he says this. He says, something's going to happen on land. And we talked about it last week again. Listen in. Go back and review that. But notice what he says in verse 14. Even if these three men, notice the three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord God. We, we talked again last week at length, and, and, and again, maybe you were here, maybe you weren't, is that God is saying there's things that are going to go on in the land. There's things that, that these were judgments coming to the nation of Israel because the people had left God. Now, one more time, if you're not going to listen to the message, let me kind of give you the cleft notes. I don't know what's going on. I, some people say this is the judgment of God. Some people say it's not the judgment of God concerning everything that's happening right now. Uh, COVID and economic, and we know economic cycles and, and the racial tensions, and we know that's going on. And thank God I believe change is happening I don't know what's happening exactly. I'm not a prophet. I'm not, not a mouthpiece of God. I'm just looking at stepping back and looking at the horizon and seeing what's going on. I'm just saying, could it be, could it, could it be that there is a judgment coming against the whole earth because of our persistent unfaithfulness? Could it be? Could it? Maybe, maybe not. But here's what I want to drill down on. I don't, I don't want to look at the negative side, and I think it does, it's erroneous if we just stay on the dark side, if you will. Let's look at the positive side. Let's look at the light side. The light side of the equation is that God, the mouthpiece of, of Ezekiel, Ezekiel speaking for God, he says this, if Noah, if Daniel, if Job were in the land, they could not stop my judgment, but I would deliver them because they were righteous. And so when it comes to you and when it comes to me, what goes on the land doesn't have to go on in the man or the woman. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. And we are going to, there's going to be things that will endure. If there's economic downturn, that might affect you. If there's things that go on with like COVID and some things that we're experiencing, I believe you can rise up and use your faith and authority in Jesus' name and you can resist. Come on, everybody. I believe that we can stand against the tactics of the enemy. If, if there's crazy stuff going on, there's famine in the land, we know that God can protect us in times of famine. Come on, we got Bible on that, right, everybody? Come on, we got Bible on that. But what we find and we see here specifically is that these words that the prophet that God uses is that Daniel or Noah, Daniel, and Job would and could deliver themselves because of their righteousness. And so we're looking at this with this thought for the next several weeks, this, less, this series of lessons called Principled Living. How did these guys 
not be so affected by what was going on all around them? How did they, how did they live in the culture but out of the culture? How were they, you know, not of this world? How were, they, how were they dealing with all these crazy things around them? But God said he would deliver them. And I believe there is this one thing, and we'll break it down in many pieces in the next several weeks, is that they lived principled lives. They lived lives that they believed God, believed his word, were going to trust him regardless of what it looked like. And if they did that without a Bible, come on somebody, without a church group, without a small group, if they did that, if Noah did that, and there was nobody alive, you can do that. So come on, take heart today. God's not done with you. You're going to get to the other side. Amen, everybody. So let's give you a working definition of what I am calling what a principled living or a person of principle would live would be like, if you will. Here it is. Here's our definition. A, per, a person of principle, we're going to get it here. A person of principle means you have a foundation and a system of belief or behavior. So if you are a person of principle, it means that you have a foundation and a system of belief or behavior. It's how you operate your life. It's how you go through life. It's how you do what you do. You have a system. You have a system. Anybody besides me have a system in the morning? I get up. I take about three things of water. I get, drink a big thing of water. I splash my face. I get dressed. I go downstairs. I start getting this special drink that I do every morning with some water, with a half a lemon, with some cayenne pepper. Come on, somebody. It's a liver cleanse. I, I do drink that every morning. Then I drink, get my coffee. I'm ready to go. I get my Bible. I get my, my phone, and, and I pray, and I read, and then I get on with my day after that. I'm, I'm, this, this is what I do. I say religiously, this is what I do every single day. There's things that you do. There's things that you believe. There's things that you say. There's things that you expect. There's things that you desire. Whether, whether you like them or you don't, there's things that you look for every single day because you have worked that into the fabric of your life. If you will get and lean towards God and look towards him and begin working spiritual principles in your life, you will see your life change and shift more to God-likeness and less to world-likeness. Uh, more peace, come on, less stress, more health, less sickness, come on, more love, less hate, come on, more, more, more believing, less fear. You're going to see it if you'll start living a life by principle. So the found, a principle means a person of principle. You have this foundation. A foundation is very important in your life, a foundation and a system of belief and behavior. And the first person that we find out that, that the prophet speaks, that God actually speaks and tells to Ezekiel that even if this guy was in the land, he could not change everything in the land, but he himself would be delivered. God says it's a man called Noah. Noah. And, and this is a really interesting character, if you will, because there's so many people in our day, and theologians or, or ex-theologians and, and people who are against the word of God believe that this guy didn't even exist, that the thing with the flood and the thing with the ark and all that's just a big hoax. Animals two by two and then seven clean animals and all that's a hoax in Genesis. It's just made up as an allegory. It's, it's, a, it's a poem. It's, it's really not true. And yet God tells Ezekiel the prophet, it's true, this guy lived, and if he was in the land, he would be not be able to change everything in the land, but he would be delivered himself. How many of y'all know I believe in Noah? Come on, somebody. I hope you do too. The scripture says, backdrop for this story in the book of Genesis, 
was that Noah lived in a time that the scripture says there was lawlessness everywhere. It was wicked. It kept becoming more and more vile. And so God actually comes and tells Noah, I'm going to destroy the earth. I'm going to wipe it out. I'm going to make a new group of people with you. He was tired of what was going on. Almost sounds like what we read from Ezekiel, persistent unfaithfulness. And so God says, I'm going to, I'm going to begin this whole process again, and I'm going to begin it with you. Now let's check out what the text says about this guy called Noah. Because if Noah had this without being born again, Jesus hadn't come yet. He didn't have Jesus in him. The, the blood of Jesus Christ didn't redeem him from all his sins yet. But the Bible says that there, there was something in this guy called Noah. Check it out in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. It says this in Genesis 6, 8. It says, Noah found favor and grace in the eyes of the Lord. In the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the pain, in the midst of all the uncertainty, in the midst of all the lawlessness, in the midst of all the vileness and sin and, and grotesqueness of society, the scripture says that he found favor and grace in the eyes of the Lord. Look what it says in verse 9. Again, amplified translation. It says, Noah was a righteous man, one who was just and who had right standing with God. Notice his character traits of this guy. Notice the principles in this guy's life. Blameless in his evil generation. And Noah walked and lived in habitual fellowship with God. This is a guy that didn't have a Bible church. This is a guy that didn't have a small group church. This is a guy who didn't have, who didn't have a radio station or a CD or, or Instagram cool guys to follow to keep him built up. This wasn't a word of the day every day that he got from somebody to keep him on point. A text message or a DM to keep him moving down. This was a guy who himself said, I am going to be a principled man. I am going to live for God and with God regardless of what goes on in the culture I'm in. Come on, if we're going to clap, let's get better than a golf clap. Come on, everybody. Again, one more time. Even though the world was wicked, wickedness wasn't in Noah. So I've heard all my life that just, you know, and it's true. You know, if I want to find out about you, I can just look around at your friends and your people who you run with. And generally, your close friends will be the direction your life is headed. Uh, so, so Noah was in the world, but he was not of the world. He, he, was, he, he was positioned himself with his wife and his three kids and their spouses, and he was living a different kind of life and a different kind of lifestyle. The scripture tells us that he, he found favor and grace in God's eyes. Listen, God didn't give him favor, and God didn't give him grace. He found it himself. He trusted God. He believed God somehow, someway, from Adam and Eve and the, success, uh, success, uh, the generations that followed, he got a hold of something and he believed something, even though those generations became more wicked and wicked, that this is in Genesis 6. There's just six chapters before this. And again, I know lots of years had endured, but the, nation, uh, the, the nations of the world, the people of the world had turned away from God. You know, it doesn't take very much for a nation to turn from God. I think we're seeing stuff right now at an escalating pace right now in our own nation. And so if we're going to change the way this nation is going, it's going to happen one believer at a time. Come on, everybody. One person saying, I love God. God's favored me. His grace is on my life. And I want to make my life count for as long as I'm on the earth. Amen, everybody? But he found favor. And what we find out is that this brother, even though the world was wicked, wickedness was not 
in him. A couple of those things that we just read, it says he was a just man. He was just. We found out a couple weeks ago in our series that we did that, that this word just means is that he, was, he, he conducted himself in a great way with other people. He conducted himself in a righteous way with men and women. He wasn't unrighteous or unfair in his dealings. He was a just man. He was right with God. Didn't mean he was perfect. In fact, if you read the text after the flood, the brother built a, built a, you know, a vineyard and he got drunk in the vineyard. Come on, drunkenness is not the will of God. It's not the plan of God. So here's what I love about the story in the book of Genesis. God doesn't hide people's sin and hide people's struggles. He says, I'm going to be with you in the middle of it all. He wasn't a perfect man, but he was a blameless man. You can be that way too. This is what the scripture says. He constantly walked with God. We read it from the Amplified. In habitual fellowship with God. That's day in, day out. You set your clock just like you do to get up in the morning. You set your clock to have your God time. Whether it's in the morning or at night, you figure that out. Habitual fellowship and relationship with God will cause you to live above the culture and above the wickedness, above the sway of the world, above the darkness, and you're going to make it to the finish line all intact serving God come on everybody yeah yeah you will so here's what God does if you know the story you've been to Sunday school how many people have been to Sunday school you know the story come on shout out for church church kids church God gave him a God gave him a plan God said I'm gonna destroy the earth but I'm gonna save you I'm gonna save your family here's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna give you a plan I want you to build me a boat I want you to build me an ark God gave Noah the blueprint for building the boat. And God will give you a blueprint on how to live above the life that is around you right now. God will speak to you from the scriptures, but also specifically to your own life about what to do with your life, about where to go with your life, about who to hang with in your life, about who to not hang with in your life, about what to believe, what not to believe. And you work that into your life as the foundation things in your life so you and I can be a principled person. The scripture tells us that God gave him the blueprint for this thing called the ark. And by looking at, you know, what, what the, the smart people have said, uh, looking at, uh, at the dimensions of the ark and kind of bringing them into modern day, what, what we believe is, is a pretty close estimate, is that the ark was 450 feet long, it was 75 feet wide, and it was 45 feet high. So, so, so uh, 450 feet long, guys, that's a football field and a half, kind of get that in your mind, a football field and a half, and 75 feet wide and 45 feet high and, and the, the Bible is pretty clear on this that that they say it looked like a barge we would look out maybe in San Diego Bay and we see these large vessels that come in that would be somewhat what it would look like in dimension it would look like a huge huge barge and they said it was almost nearly impossible uh, to tip over to, you know, impossible to sink that was the dimensions that God gave and, and again the smart people as they did the math way smarter than me they say that it took Noah between 55 and 75 years, years to build the ark. 55 to 75 years to build the ark. Now, now forgive me, I don't remember exactly how long Noah lived. I want to say the brother lived up into his 600s or something like that. So, so they, they lived a very long time there uh, back, in, back in the early days of Genesis. So he had a little bit of time. But my, my question for you, my question for me... Would you do what God told you to do for 75 years? Would you do what God told you to do for 75 months? That's six years and three months. Would you do what God told you to do? Come on, for 75 days. 
three and a half months. Would you do what God told you to do for 75 minutes? The brother just didn't quit doing what God told him to do. The principle I want to leave you with today, and I hope you begin massaging into the foundation of your life, is this. The principle to live by is obedience. It's obedience. The scripture after Noah had the orders from God, you, you know, you, you can figure out if there's 55 years between when God tells him to do what he's called him to do and then the boat actually got built and there's only a few scriptures, there's a lot, a lot, lots going on in a man's thinking and a woman's thinking and going on in culture. Uh, lots is happening. But he just kept doing what God told him to do. It says this concerning Noah in this principle of obedience. Check it out in Genesis 6.22. It says this, thus Noah did. I was talking to Kimberly last week about this and just thinking about you know, coming to bring this message to you. And let me encourage you. These three words I could not get out of my heart and my head all week. Thus Noah did. If you don't get anything else for the rest of the morning, would you just put your name right there? Thus, Peter did. Thus, Julio did. Come on. Thus, Kimberly did. Thus, Jim did. I plan to keep doing what God told me to do. Thus, he did. According to all that God commanded him. Notice God didn't suggest God commanded, and you and I both have commands in the scriptures that we are required to follow and do. God commanded him, so he did. Thus Noah did, so he did. Thus Noah did, so he did. According to all, all, do all the will of God. Do everything God's called you to do. Do everything the scripture says. Do everything God's leading you. Regardless of if you get likes or don't get likes on your Instagram feed. Regardless if your friends leave you or don't leave you. You make up your mind. I am a person of principle. I am a teenager. I'm a young adult of principle. I am going to obey God. I'm going to live for God. I'm not living for culture. I'm going to live for God. Thus I will do as he commanded me to do. Can I get an amen up in the house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, it's so much so that, you know, you read in, in the book of Hebrews, and Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the chapter of faith, that all these people did what they did by faith, that Noah actually made it to Hebrews chapter 11. There's a lot of people that aren't in there. There's a lot of people that are in there. But the scripture says this concerning Noah in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. It says, by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Peter calls Peter actually calls Noah a preacher of righteousness. So while Peter was building the boat, Peter was preaching the gospel. In fact, so many so that, that one theologian was saying that by Peter's just obeying God and building the boat, his act of obedience building the boat was preaching. 
your act of righteous living, your act of believing God, your act of trusting God, your act of raising your family, your act of loving one of your act of, of coming against and, and anybody that's you know got racist ideas and you're coming against that with the word of God because you're a just man with your life and your lifestyle. You are a preacher of righteousness. I don't believe it's just our actions. I believe we've got to lift our voice. Nobody gets saved by our actions. We've got to lift our voice and we've got to declare what God said. But your life needs to be different than the culture you are in. You need to live a life of obedience. You need to live a life that's directed toward God. And God will allow you to navigate, if you will, the floods of life differently because you have built yourself an ark. You can build an ark with your mouth. You can build an ark with your direction. You can build an ark with your love. You can build an ark with your anticipation. You can build an ark as you build a foundation of the word of God in your life. God wants you to rise above the waters, the floods, the tumult, if you will, the, the, the tragedy and all the things that are going on in this earth right now. And God will allow you to navigate it all if you will be a person of Obedience. Obedience. Man. By faith, I love this. Let's put that scripture back up. Ryan, can you do it? In Genesis chapter, Genesis chapter, uh, or excuse me, uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. Look at this now. Come on, say these first three words. By faith, Noah. One more time. By faith, Noah. Being divinely warned of things not yet seen. No flood flooded the earth before. There was no, there was no precedence for this. But by faith, by faith, he was divinely warned. So God spoke something to him, and Noah didn't have all the answers. But listen to me. We read earlier, he habitually, daily, made his devotion to God a priority. And so that God could warn him. God could speak to him. God could communicate with him. And he would listen to God. And by faith, he was warned of something that maybe other people didn't get. And God wants that in your life. I don't believe that we need to constantly be caught off guard. I don't need, believe that we need to go through life and go, I never saw that coming. No, I believe we got a GPS system on the inside of us. We got a warning on the inside of us. We got a beacon on the inside of us called the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. Who will show us and tell us things to come. Who will warn us and who will lead us and will guide us into all the truth. The scripture says he'll teach us all things that Jesus said in the scripture. He'll bring revelation and light, and he'll enlighten us, Lord, the scripture tells us, concerning things and tragedies. And, and I don't believe that we have need to be caught off guard all the time because we consistently live a principled life of obedience to God. Here's what I do know, and here's what I do believe, is that if you and I will obey what we know, God will show us what we don't know. Obey what you know, and God will show you what you don't know. So I think a lot of us are looking for God to tell us stuff, but we are not obeying what he's already told us. <laughs> Obey what you know, and then God will show you what you don't know. So let's just talk about that real for just a couple seconds. It gets uncomfortable in here, I think, when we talk about obedience, because obedience, most of the time, we think on the negative side of it. But I want you to look on the positive side. What happens when I just surrender my life to God? What are the, what are the fruit, what are the benefits that are going to happen to mine in your life? So here's a couple of questions. Are you obeying what God is telling you to do right now? Are you obeying what the Bible is telling you to do right now? 
Or are there certain things you just go, you're reading the Bible, and, and then, then you, just, you just flip over that, and you don't, you don't believe that, or you just want, don't want to read that certain thing, or you don't want to read that certain thing about, uh, about relationships, or you don't read that certain thing about giving, or you don't want to read that certain thing about forgiving, or you don't want to read that certain thing that now I need to make some changes and adjustments in my life with my anger. I don't want to read that certain thing, so, and so I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to read that. I'm not going to obey that. Are you obeying what the Bible is telling you right now? Wherever you're reading right now, whatever, wherever your trajectory is in your relationship with God, ever how many months and years and decades you've been serving God, again, the further you go, the further should go your obedience. It never stops. Are you doing that right now? Secondly, are you obeying what God told you to do right now? Those specific words. What, what did God said to you specifically? Not written in black and white and red in the Bible, but specifically what he has told you he wants to do with your life. Where, where you need to go. What you need to be serving in. What you need to be doing with your life. With those specific things that he is speaking to you. Are, are you doing that? Are you doing that? If, if you're not, listen to me. You're not building the right kind of ark. Your ark's going to have holes in it. Are you obeying the word of God? Are you obeying what he's speaking to you specifically? How about this, last thought? Are you obeying the things you don't fully understand right now? I don't understand that. By faith, Noah built the ark. By faith. By faith. Didn't have all the answers. Do you have that leading? You have that certain, certain direct, certain pull, if you will. And, and I don't know. Am I, am I doing, am I obeying what I fully don't understand right now? I believe God's going to help you. I believe he'll help you. Obedience, what I found, is a learned spiritual behavior. Obedience is a learned spiritual behavior. My flesh never wants to obey. Never wants to obey. Never. You have to make yourself obey. Why? I want to honor God here. I want to honor God. I want to lash out. I want to say something. I just got to get this off my chest. And God says, I wish you'd keep that on your chest. Where does it start? Let's talk about it real quick, because I think we miss this. And I think we're in a generation of, uh, of that we've just not maybe done the job that we need to do, maybe at the very foundational level. So let me give you the foundation of what the scripture says concerning this spiritual principle of obedience. We find it in Colossians 3.20, children, obey your parents. Children, obey your parents. Parents, you need to teach your children how to obey. They don't always get their way. <laughs> when they're young, you teach them how to obey. Children, obey your parents. If you're a child, you are required to obey your parents. In godliness, of course, is what we're talking about. And then you grow, and you're learning that, and you're learning that in the, in the home, and you're a teenager, and, and all kind of, I still got to obey, and, and all, all that. Then, then when I leave the home, and I start, I start getting my job, it doesn't end. Because the scripture says in Colossians 3.22, employees obey your employers. Employees obey your employers. Serve your employer like you would serve God. Obey them. Obey them. Don't come in and try to run everything when you're not given that authority. Obey them. Serve them as you would be serving God. Hey, it doesn't end there. Hebrews 13, 17. It says, church people, obey the spiritual leadership over you. When it comes to church, 
Yeah, we're all equal. We're all one. We're all in Christ. Absolutely. But, but be easy to be with. Be, don't be difficult. Don't be hard. Obey those that are over you. Uh, the, the person, the department head, the small group leader, or the pastor, or the worship leader, whoever you're serving with, obey them. Just obey them. It doesn't mean someone's dominating you and got them under your thumb. No, it, mean, it means I have got this spiritual principle in my life of obedience. And every time I obey, it's like my ark is going to be able to rise above situations in this life more and more. Christians, how about this? Tough right now, maybe in some stuff, in some circles. Romans 13, 1. Christians obey government authority. Scripture says all government authority is ordained by God. Not all government authority is godly, but it is ordained by God. And so there's something there that as we just trust God and we look to God and we, we draw near to Him, that I believe God's going to keep us. Obedience pleases God. Can you say that? Obedience pleases God pleases God. Come on, you're listening real good. Let me give you just two more thoughts this morning. I love a scripture that I found, you know, probably, gosh, 40 years ago, some pastor was preaching, underlined it in my Bible, and then a, a, a mentor, a spiritual mentor, this was a key scripture that he would come to regularly in teaching. It's in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. It says, if you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you're going to be devoured by the sword. Look at that. If you're willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. Willing and obedient. Come on, say that. Willing and obedient. Right there at home. Come on. Willing and obedient. Willingness is your attitude. Obedience is your action. One more time. Willingness is your attitude. Obedience is your action. You need both to please God. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. So we could say this, is that willingness and obedience are connected with blessing. Unwillingness and disobedience are connected with being devoured. Being devoured. Always being under it. Always having to fight off. Never, nev never seeing the grace of God. Never seeing the favor of God like you think you should, and rightfully so. Maybe, maybe you're just not willing. Maybe you're not being obedient to the Word of God, to the thing that the Spirit of God is speaking to you, to what He's laid out for your life. Ask yourself some serious questions. Is it always like, the, like, like, like life's against me? Like life's always against me? I always got this thing on me? That I, I'd ask a couple questions. Huh. Am I willing to follow God, to surrender my life to Him? Have I fully surrendered? Am I being obedient to the Word of God, to what I know, to what He's telling me to do in my life? Or am I always at odds and I always want to do my own thing? Isaiah said, devouring will be the result if you're not willing and obedient. So how many no's do you give? No, I can't. No, I won't. Don't ask me. Don't text me. Don't call me. Don't email me. No, no, no. I don't serve. I don't give. I don't, I don't pray. I, don't, I, just want, I just want God. I want an ark. I want to be safe. I want to go to heaven. Leave me alone. The scripture is pretty clear. There's going to be trouble attached to that life and that lifestyle because that's just not the Jesus life. And he requires you and I to be obedient. Because this is what he did. And you as his child will never 
be any less required to do what he did. You won't go to the cross. You can't pay for your sin. But there will be suffering as he suffered. There will be constant maybe people coming against you like they did to him. And God will require you to live a life of obedience. Here's what the scripture says in closing in Philippians chapter 2. Speaking of Jesus. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. There's a phrase. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. To the death of the cross. Even to the death of the cross. So Jesus was obedient to the point and even to the point of death. And so if you're going to take anything to the extreme, can I encourage you? Be extremely obedient. Be extremely submitted to God. Be extremely a heart that's directed toward God. And watch what he does in your life in the rest of 2020. I believe this with all my, all my heart. Is that we look at from the scripture. Is that obedience always involves humbleness. He humbled himself. Jesus Christ humbled himself. He gave of his own life and he lowered himself. Obedience always involves humbleness. But not just that. Obedience always involves a cross. It always involves a cross. So I've got to live my life that I humble myself under the hand of God. So in due season, he will raise me as he sees fit. I've got to humble myself in obedience that you know what's best for me. I don't know. I don't exactly know. I, I, I can't do any job I want to do. I can't really marry anybody I want to marry. I know I can. I know I'm, I'm this American up in here. I can do whatever I want to do. I can go wherever I want to go. I can party. I can do whatever I want to do. Don't tell me. Right, 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 right. But there'll be a sword. There'll be a sword. There'll be devouring at the end of that life and all through that life. And God says, I want to keep you from that. I want to keep you from that. The world's wicked. The world's, there's, there's this evil everywhere. So, so quick. Just, just one, one, one click away. Listen, on my phone, one click away from evil. Choice every day. What I'm going to believe, what I'm going to do, where I'm going to run, where I'm going to go. God tells Noah, build an ark. I want to save you. I want to do something different. I want to get you above the wickedness and the lawlessness and the, the vileness that's going on. I want you to live a different life, teenager, young adult, mom, dad. I want you to live different. I want you to go different. I'm going to protect you. So, so build an ark. Work on the foundation. Work on the principles of obedience in your life. And make sure you are willing because the Jesus life is this. It always involves humbleness. You know best. When's the last time you just did this? God, I surrender my life again. Here I am. I've been taking the reins of my life and I'm giving them to you. I humble myself under your mighty hand. If you do that, you're on the way up. You're on the way up. Because Jesus humbled himself. But just because you humble yourself doesn't mean there won't be a cross. Jesus said, you're going to have to pick up your cross daily. Daily. And follow me. Not my will. Your will be done. He's praying in the garden in Matthew 26, sweating great drops of blood. 
humble, on his knees, crying out, obedient, to the point of death, so that he could be the Savior and our Redeemer. Aren't you glad for Jesus this morning? Come on, aren't you glad for Jesus? Come on, bow your head. Father God, this morning, we're so grateful that we can obey you. We can follow you. We can have a heart that's directed towards you. Noah found grace, found favor. Before there was a Bible, before there was a small group, before there was a prophetic word ever given to a prophet, Noah found grace and favor. Help us, O oh God, as men and women of God, as teenagers, as young adults. We can find grace and favor because it's through the person, Jesus Christ. Noah was righteous, and he was just, and he was blameless, and he walked with you. We can do this. We can do this. Noah had long obedience building that ark, 55 to 75 years. God, 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 help us obey day after day and month and year and decade after decade. We're not going to quit. We're not going to pull back. We're not going to go back. Come on, right there in your seat, right there online, let me talk to you guys both. You that are here to bow your head. You at home, maybe you look at me. Are you willing? Are you willing? Come on, right here in the church. Are you willing? What, 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 what needs to sh shift in your life right now concerning your willingness? That's just, that's just an adjustment. That's an attitude. I, I'm going to be willing right now. I'm going to be willing. I'm going to quit saying no. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes, yes, yes. Yes, I can. Yes, I will. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to go for you. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to give. I'm going to pray. I'm going to maybe change some friends. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm willing. Then obey. Willing and obedient. You'll eat the good of the land. Father, thank you for your great grace and mercy to help us right now in a time of great, great need. So I pray that every one of us in this isolated quarantine season that we will build an ark of obedience, of obedience. Come on, look at me, everybody in the room, you online. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior.